This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. We have been talking about, and for some months I believe now, we have been on the subject of authority, coming from under authority, understanding what authority is first, uh, how to value authority. And tonight we're going to uh, talk about, start to talk about the dangers of coming from under authority. There are grave dangers, there are grave consequences for coming from under authority. And so we are going to start uh, with that tonight. Please understand that God's teachings are to cleanse us. God's teachings are to cleanse, to instruct, to guide, to encourage us, to admonish us, to caution us, to warn us. God's word is for all of that. It's for all of that. And we can't take and decide that we're going to choose one thing to allow the word to do in our lives and not take it for something else. So we can't choose to allow God's word to encourage us, but then we decide that we're not going to allow God's word to caution and warn us. We can't be picky and choosy when it comes to God's word, what we will and we will not accept. You can but it is not going to benefit you at all. And I dare say that if it's not benefiting you in one area, it's not going to benefit you in another area. Because God just doesn't work that way. You can't choose to disobey him in his authority and then you think that he's going to bless you in other areas. You can think that. But remember some teachings that we got before about understanding God. We can't understand God from our own perspective. We can't understand God from what people we've heard people say. We can't uh, um, understand God's word from, from what we think. It's all here in the word. It's already laid out. It's already laid out for us. So... Just because his word, the, what you hear, and this is any time you hear the word, you need to always keep God's word in your arsenal. That's important. We hear a good word, you know, we say it's a good word, and then we'll forget it later. But you never know. So God speaks to us, and sometimes he speaks to us, and it's for our right now. So like when you've prayed about something, and you hear, and then you come to church, and you hear, and God speaks through the man or woman of God to get you what you need. So that might be something that you need right then, because that's what you've been praying about. But he also gives you what you need for your future. Because God is not a wasteful God. And so the word that you get, it's not only for your today, but it is for your tomorrow. So God is going to, I mean, the, the enemy is always going to be sure, especially in what we're talking about, under authority, 
and the authority of God and his delegated authority, he is always going to present to you. You heard what I said. I said present to you the opportunity. God don't, I mean, the enemy doesn't make it. The devil don't make you do it. But he will always, always present to you an opportunity to get and to come from under his authority like he did. So he's going to always give you an opportunity, always present to you an opportunity to come from under his authority. And we've heard it. We can come from under authority directly, just outright. We can come from under authority silently. And we can come from under authority by omission, just omitting, just not wanting to hear what they got to say. So I'm not even going to ask because I don't even want to know. Why? Because I just, I'm just going to do what I want to do. So God, he's, the enemy is always going to present to you an opportunity to come from under his authority. We have... Three objectives. Three objectives in this teaching. One, we want to expose the thought pattern. We're going to expose the thought pattern of those who come from under authority. There is a thought pattern that goes along with when you choose to come from under authority. There is a thought pattern that it starts with. We're going to, number two, recognize signs and actions of those who come from under authority. There are definite signs. There are signs. And there are actions that you will notice and that you will recognize and see from those who come from under authority. And then thirdly, we're going to observe the results or the dangers. We want to observe the results or the dangers of coming from under authority. That is a very dangerous place to be, from under the authority of God. Either his direct authority or his delegated authority. Either one, it's from him. And so there is a danger from coming from under his authority. We're going to address this from three different aspects, coming from under authority with from three different aspects. From familiarity, being too familiar with people, especially your messenger. We're going to address this from the aspect of coming from under authority in certain situations and circumstances. When you face certain situations and circumstances, you come from under authority because of those things. And lastly, we're going to look at this from the aspect and the angle of manipulation. That's going to be a good one. Manipulation. You can come from under authority 
because you are manipulative. You can come from under authority because you are manipulating. And we're going to see how that is done. And we're going to recognize, and you're going to, because that one is not so, uh, I'm going to say it's not so outright. People don't necessarily see that. So you'll be able to recognize if there are signs in you of being manipulative. So the first two, you know, familiar, well, that too. So sometimes people, all of them, I'll put it that way. Circumstances, situations, that one is more common, right? But sometimes we don't understand that we can be too, can become too familiar with people. And we can come from under authority in that regard as well. The guiding principle, the guiding principle of authority, because so remember our, our pastor taught us about, about the principles. There, there are seven principles that everything that God has done, all of his, his statutes, his laws, his commands, everything that he has laid out in scripture, they all fall under one or maybe more. But there are seven guiding principles. And so authority is one of those principles. Authority is one. We got stewardship, we got several different others. So when we got but we are dealing with the principle of authority. And that's important to know because when you understand that it's a principle that God has laid out and established in his word, that should help you better understand and better value. We talked about value. When you value authority, focusing and changing your mindset when you hear the word authority, when you hear the word submit, when you hear the word obey, we need to change our mindset about that. It should not be a negative connotation when we hear that word, any of those words. It, that should not be negative. But God established authority as a principle in the Bible to protect your life. And that is so awesome. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that through this teaching, that he designed authority to protect your life. Who doesn't want protection from God? We don't think about it, though. When we come from under his authority, we don't think about That means I'm coming from under his protection. That's not what we think about. All we're thinking about is, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. All we think about is what we want and what we desire right then and right there. But we don't put two and two together to say, if I do what God has told me not to do, or if I omit asking him or taking his advice or taking his counsel, whomever it comes through, when I decide that I'm not going to do that, you don't realize that you are causing the hand of God. You're causing the hand of God to be against you. That's deep. That is deep. You are causing the hand of God to be withdrawn from you, to turn 
from you. That's important to hold on to as we go through these teachings. Turn, turn to Psalms 62. We're going to start there. And yes, we've, we've talked about this scripture and uh, several of the other ministers have gone to this. And we're going to use this as our foundation because this is good. And in my study time, God had me to, to go back. He start from the beginning. Let's, let's read all of Psalm 62. And we're going to get some understanding tonight of a better understanding tonight of Psalm 62. Psalm 62 verse 1. Truly my soul, and don't let these words bypass you. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. My soul, that's my where my intellect lies. That's where my thoughts lie. That's where my desires lie. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly Moved. How long will ye imagine? And this is David talking. This is a psalm of David. So this is him talking about those who have come against him. But how long will ye imagine mischief against a man? We know this was King David. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a Bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. The only consult to, to cast him down, they, oh they, I'm sorry, they only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. Selah means to. Think on this. Think on that. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Now he's turning his, 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 his thoughts and his words towards God's people. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Say lie. He said, think on this again. Surely... Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto. To God. Now, allow me to read this again. 
And in my study time, this this is how <laughs> this is how God gave it to me. I'm not changing the scripture. It's not changing the scripture at all. You're going to hear some different words, but this is how this is what God this is what God says. I want you to think about it like this. These words, same words. Truly, my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. Consider this. From Him cometh my protection. He only is my rock. That's my strength, my stability, and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine? How long will you think about being against a man, the delegated authority? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bending wall, think about a wall. A wall shouldn't bend. Not a wall. Not if it's sturdy. Not if it has stability. He says here, how long will you imagine, how long will you think on being against a man, God's delegated authority? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bending wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. Tottering fence, no stability. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. We're still talking about the man. That, that, that place is where God has placed him. So they only consult to cast him down from the position God has placed him. They delight in lies. They bless him with their mouth. They say the word is good. That's a good word. But they curse him inwardly. I'm not doing any of that. It's a good word, but I'm not doing it. It sounds good, but that's not for me. I'm not doing it. My soul waiteth only upon God for my expectation. My earnest hope is from him. He only is my strength, my stability. And my salvation. He is my defense, my protection. I shall not be moved. In God is my protection and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. Lean not to your own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't omit Him. From your goings and your comings and your doings. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Jump down to verse 10. Trust not in oppression. Don't trust in those things, those situations. Don't give weight to them. Don't trust in those things and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase you new jobs, new positions, more money, all of those things. If any of those things happen, if any of those things set not your heart upon them. Don't think don't don't give them the time of day. Not more than what is worth. He says trust not in that. God has spoken once. He says, this is, again, this is David talking. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard it. God has spoken once. 
But I am certain of this. When he says God spoke it once, but I heard it twice, he says, I'm certain. This I'm certain about, <laughs> that power belongeth to God. When God gave that to me, I was jumping up and down in my office, because that's where I was at the time, at work, after work, okay, after work, not during, not when they were paying me to do something, after work. But God is so good. And so here we see that we must obey. We, we've seen, we saw this, all of that lined in here. That not only must we obey, David said, I am going to trust in the protection of God. I am not going to lean not to, to my own understanding, and he's admonishing those he was talking to. I don't, do not lean to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct. That's his authority. He will direct your path. And then he goes on to say, how, how long will you go against the delegated authority? He says, you'll be slain. God does not like, and we're going to see this, and this is later on in these teachings. God, when God sets out principles and authority being one of them to protect our lives for order's sake, he does not play when it comes to his authority. He doesn't play. And we're going to see that again as we, as we go on. We must obey God's authority because he has the what? Part of your review. He has the exousia, the right. He has the right, the exousia, the right or the privilege to act and rule. He has the right to control. The right. And then we must obey God because he has dunamis. He has the might and the ability to act and rule. So we must obey him because not only does he have the power and the might to do, but he has the right to do. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Because nothing was made that was made without God and we were made and created for God. That's why he has the power. That's why he has the right to rule over you. All authority belongs to God. Nobody in this room, I don't care how smart you think you are, nobody in this room could have thought about how to procreate. Not even if you thought about it. Nobody in this room could have thought how to design the body to heal itself. Nobody in this room would have thought to use the natural things, water, herbs, all of those natural things that we find, that God has given to use those things to be able to help us in our, the cleansing of our bodies. Nobody in this room could have thought about how to have a body, a woman's body, hold 
conceive, first of all, conceive something that would grow into another human being. Nobody in this room. That's why God has the right and the might. All authority, all authority belongs to him. And then he delegates authority. So then that's A, we must obey God's authority because he has the exousia and the dunamis. But B, we must obey those to whom God has given delegated authority because he has enabled them. He has given them dunamis. They don't have the exousia. They don't have the right. But he he equips us with the might to get his will done. And he puts that, that dunamis, that power, he places that in men. He empowers them, how? By the Holy Ghost. So he gives us his delegated authority. He gives us those things. He gives us the dunamis so that we can work on his behalf. Just like I just said, when you have prayed about something that you know you have not told anybody, and then you come to church, and the man of God or the woman of God speaks directly on that situation, gives you the answer, gives you the counsel that you need, that is God's power working in and through them. To get to you what you need. Dunamis power. The might to act on God's behalf. He places that wisdom. He places that word of knowledge. He pla- and they don't always know. And some, most of the time they don't know who they're talking to. But when they yield themselves to the authority of God. And they speak and they say what God instructs them to speak and say. That's getting to you what you need without them even knowing it. That's God's power. That's God's power. So you see, now you see why I, why, why, why I was just saying that we don't know what we do. We have no clue what we do. When we decide that we're not going to follow those instructions that God has placed and given through me, you have, you have just, when you decide that you're not going to do it, that's why I said you have just taken yourself out of, you have just turned God's hand against you. That's powerful. That's powerful. To be fully submitted and obedient to God. We must be submitted to his exousia and dunamis, and we must submit to his delegated authority who has been established with dunamis. Both are expectations of godly living. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Both of of those being submitted to God's power and authority, being submitted to his delegated power and authority. That is... Those two things are both expectations of godly living. Romans chapter 13. Let's see what the scripture says in Romans 13. I believe somebody has gone to. I'm certain someone has gone to this scripture. 
in uh, earlier teachings. Verses 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. There is no power but of God. God gives the power. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth, whoever resisteth the power, the power that God has given, resisteth the ordinance. The ordinance of God, that's his order. Think about city ordinances. When there are city ordinances. We had a city ordinance if you will, when we had the pandemic. And they they, told us to stay in our houses. and City ordinances. Those are things that was put in place, what? To help protect us. They were put in place to help protect us. To help keep order. Ordinance, a city ordinance. God has kingdom ordinances. He has kingdom ordinances. And when he gives kingdom ordinances... He expe- it's his expectation that you're going to follow his kingdom ordinances. Look at Titus. Turn to Titus. Oh, verse 3. Before we turn there. Verse 3, chapter 13, verse 3. For rulers, those in authority, delegated authority, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. So we have these city ordinances we put in regardless of what we think about our mayors and our, you know, all of those people. They are delegated authority. Delegated authority. And they are there and and you should not, the only way you should fear them, the only way you should uh, uh, even, I'm not going to say even have a thought of going going against them. The only way that you should fear them, just, just like Example, just like our pastor said on Sunday, the police driving, you all driving down the street. And because the speed limit is 70 on the freeway, on the highway, he does 60. You do 55. Well, the only one, and and she said, you look in the mirror to see if they're coming. Well, you weren't doing anything wrong. If you're not doing anything wrong, then why do you fear Right? If you're doing something wrong, if you're not, then why do you fear? So the rulers are not there for good works. The rulers are there but to the evil, those who just want to do their own thing. The police are there for those who want to speed. That's why they're there. They're not there for those who want to drive the speed limit, who want to be safe. Being safe is a good work. Following the speed limit is a good work. So if you want to follow the speed limit, why are you terrorized by the police? It's for those who want to speed. Why is he even there all the time? Why is he here? Because I want to just do what I want to do. Evil. So now you're scared of him because you want to do evil. It's the same thing with our delegated authority in our local church. The delegated authority in the local church is there to keep order. 
the only ones who are scared of them and run from them are those who want to do their own thing. Uh-huh. You only run from them when they've told you something, they've counseled you about something, and you don't want to do it, that's when you run from them. You're scared of them. Because you think they can see, see straight through you. But if you desire, if you desire protection, if you desire to be under the hand of God, if you desire all the good things that come with obedience to God, you want the results in your life of obedience, you don't run from them, but rather you cling to them. You cling to them. You don't run from them. So we're only terrorized by our ministers and our pastors when we don't want to do right. That's when we're scared of them because we don't want to do right. When we disobey, oh, now, now let's turn to Titus. Did we go to Titus? We hadn't gone to Titus yet. Let's turn to Titus. Chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1. Um, let's start with, let's go, go up to verse uh, chapter 2. And we're going to read into this. And this is Paul talking to Titus. Verse 15 of chapter 2. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. He was giving him some instructions on, on what to, to, to teach and and, and what to teach the young men, the, the women, the, all of that. People in the church, in the congregation. So he says, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority because you've been given delegated authority to do so. They need order. They need instruction. They need guidance. So you need to speak these things as the minister over this church, this body of believers. You need to speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority that you have been given. Okay? Let no man despise thee. Chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind. He says, put them in memory. Tell them, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. Just like we're doing now. He says, tell them, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. To obey magistrates. To be ready to every good work. When you obey, you are setting yourself up and you are positioning yourself for good work. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves, listen, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. He says, when you disobey, you are foolish. I didn't say it, he said it. He said, remind them to be subject to the principalities and powers. Remind them. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures. That means I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what anybody says. That's what that means right there. Serving divers' lusts. I'm going to serve my own lusts and my own pleasures. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, 
But after that, the kindness and the lo- and love of God our Savior toward man appear. His love constrains me. Because his love has come and I've accepted his love for my life. Listen, God loves you so. That's why he wants to protect you. Just like a father wants to protect his children. Nobody in this room, no father in this room, no father in this room loves their children but don't want to protect them. That's part of your love is your protection. I'm going to protect you from things that you don't even know will hurt you. I think about my two-year-old grandson. He is a daredevil. I mean, just, he's two. And he's a two-year-old boy. And if anybody in this room have been exposed to boys, you know they just do anything and everything. And he don't, of course he's not, he doesn't have the reasoning skills right now. He's not old enough to reason. All he knows is I see it, I want to jump off of it. I see it, that's what I want to do. That's, that's all he, that's all he's thinking about. Children, period. That's why you got to watch him outside. Because they're not thinking about, oh, their car, they don't have the reasoning skills. Oh, their car is coming, so I can't just dash, which he did, after a cat across the street. And he wants to dash out in front, just not, he has no clue. That's why they need protection. Because they don't know. That's why we need protection. You don't know your tomorrows. You don't even know your today's. You only know right now. God can be giving you something now that you're going to need when you leave from those doors. He's a protector. So I think about my grandson. Had I not been there to snatch him, and I actually I did not lie, somebody outside had to run and get him. Because I wasn't fast enough. He's like flash lightning. I mean, literally. And I couldn't catch him fast enough. And don't yell. Don't yell his name because now he thinks it's a game. So I couldn't even yell his name. Because he was going to run faster. Thinking I was, chase me. That's, that's why you call me so you can chase me. But that's when, and that somebody had to snatch him. And that's what God does to us. He tries to snatch us. And then just like my grandson, he did that to somebody. I think he did it to Minister Minister Hill the other day. He tried to grab his back as he was getting away from it. So he tried to grab his backpack that was on him, and he just shook it off. You can have a backpack. (laughs) He let it go. And that's what we do. God tries to snatch us, and we just try to shake him off. When the Holy Ghost is telling you something and you ignore what he says, that's you shaking him off. (laughs) When you try to drown him out, that's you shaking him off. You're like a child. Children tendencies. That's why the word tells us that we got to be mature. (laughs) You got to grow up. And be mature in the word. Be mature in God. 
Because authority, staying under authority, that's a small thing. That's a small thing. That, that, those are baby steps. That's, that's, that's like Gerber. The baby meals. If you can't stand under the authority, if you can't eat the Gerber, you definitely can't handle me. You want to be used by God? Oh, God's calling me to such and such. God's calling me. God's speaking to me about, is he really? And you can't obey just small things he tells you to do, but he's speaking to you about some big things. And he might be, but he's not giving it, he's not putting it in your hands. He's not, he's not giving you the authority to go out and do it when you can't stay under authority. When we disobey God, so there are benefits to obeying. We talked about that a little bit. We'll get to some more of that. But when we disobey God, when we rebel against his authority, there are consequences. And those consequences are incurred judgment. Let's talk about incurred judgment. Incurred judgment means you subject yourself to penalty. When you disobey, when you rebel against God's authority, you subject yourself, you subject yourself to penalty. As a result, of your behavior and your actions. Your behavior and your actions. I think about one of the questions that's in our, the uh, um, Next Gen group, Pastor Hills Arrows. Why would a loving God send man to hell? Or would a loving God send man to hell? God sends no man to hell. They go to hell because... They come from under his authority because they don't want his authority because they don't accept him. They send themselves to hell and he allows it. They send themselves. He's not sending them. They send themselves. That's judgment, incurred judgment. They've subjected themselves to the penalty because of their own behavior and action. You expose yourself or you provoke judgment upon yourself because of your actions. You forego. You forfeit. You forego. You give up the advantage. You you give up the advantage of protection, of impartation of wisdom and understanding of God's word. You give up your needs being met. You forfeit God meeting your needs. You forfeit. You forego God's peace when you decide that you are going to come from under his authority. That's your doing. Because of your actions. Because of your choices. And then we, again, we think, well, we you know God is a loving God and He's a forgiving God. And yes, He's all of those things. He's all, and He is there. We're going to see well, as we go through this. He, and He is there. When you decide that you're going to turn to Him, He's there. 
But what kind of expectation, what kind of realistic expectation should you have of him if you are going against what he is doing in your life? It's just like with your own children or children in this room. If you have a parent, if you are a child living in the house, how can you expect your parents, now they're going to, maybe, maybe not, they're going to give you what you need, so they'll feed you sometimes. But I have heard of people going, children going to bed hungry because they, but they'll give you what you need, but how can you expect for them to give you video games and take you shopping and get you a new pair of shoes and you're doing all of that but when they can't they can't get you to obey just doing your chores just be obedient in that but you are going realistically you're going to expect that they're going to give you those things that you asked for those extra things like I said you you might not get some of the stuff you need so you're definitely not getting anything extra. The parents that might be scared, to, you know, that somebody gonna say that they abusing you if they don't feed you dinner one night. You know, they might give you dinner, but don't ask for ice cream. Same thing with your father in heaven. How can you realistically expect for him to protect you, to give you things that you're asking for when you pray, and he can't even get you to obey the simple things that he's asking you to do? Realistic expectations. Numbers chapter 12. Let's... let's Let's look at numbers. Let's see, look at some examples here. We're going to use Adam and Eve for a lot of this. We're going to see, I mean, this, we talked about all those three things, those three aspects and components of coming from under authority. We're going to see all of that in, in, in Adam and Eve. So we, we're going to get to that. But let's start with Numbers chapter 12. And let's look at... Numbers 12, let's look at verse 1. Let's start with verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it, and the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly, suddenly he spake unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam. Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down. 
the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth and he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, beseech thee, say not the sin upon us, wherein, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now. O God, beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had spit in, in her face, she, should she be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. Let's start with verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman. Why was it important, or why was it significant, that he had married an Ethiopian woman? Why was that even an issue, that he had married and Ethiopian. What does Moses choosing to marry an Ethiopian woman have to do with the stance that Miriam and Aaron took against him? What did that have to do with anything? Had they become too familiar with him? That, after all, that was that was that he was their brother. Did they think he should have gotten permission? Did they think that he no longer was hearing from God because he had made that choice? Why was that so important? Did they no longer trust his judgment? Or they thought that, he could, he, that, they were, that they could hear better from God because of the choices that he made? Had they become too familiar? Remember that God ordains authority as he wills. We don't. He ordains authority as he wills. Verse 2. And they, have, and they said... Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. The Lord heard it. Remember I said that God's authority is what he does not play when it comes to his authority. His authority, his delegated authority. It says God heard it. He heard no, now you know he hears everything you say. He hears everything that you say. He heard it. And he responded suddenly. The scripture says it. Verse 4. And the Lord spake suddenly. 
He didn't waste any time. He heard it, and he spoke suddenly. That's how important God's authority is to him. He's going to address it. He's going to address it. Notice that the Lord came down himself in a pillar. He didn't send a messenger. He didn't send somebody else. He didn't, he didn't. It says that he came down in a pillar. You can't see him face to face and live. He came down in a pillar, but he came down himself. He didn't send somebody else. He came down himself. That's how important God's authority is for him. He didn't send a priest. He didn't send a messenger. He came down just like your natural father does with his children when they rebel. Come here. Come here. And he called them. He called, God called them forth, Miriam and Aaron. Come here. Called him, called them to himself. Verse 6 and 8 through 8. God is speaking of his right and his might. So when, when, he, when he's talking here, verses 6 through 8, he's telling him, he's, this is how I, he chooses how he speaks. He says, a prophet, I speak to them in visions, I speak to them in dreams, you know, I do, I do that, I, I, that's how I show myself, that's how I reveal things to them, that's how I reveal information, that's how I impart to them. He said, but Moses... He didn't, do, he didn't do dreams. He didn't do visions with Moses. Not with Moses. He said, I speak face to face. He's just showing. That's how close I draw near. That's how close I draw near to Moses. And you dare, after seeing all of this, you've seen how I deal with Moses. You've seen it. That's my authority. I chose to speak to him like that. And after seeing all of that, after you, after, you, after you witnessing how I deal with him, after you witnessing how I impart, after you have witnessed how I have I used him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, after you've seen all of this, you dare come against him. You dare come against him. After you've seen how God has worked through your pastor. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. I know it's Wednesday and I can see, I can see sleep all in your eyes. I can see it. But I need y'all to wake up. See, that's the enemy right there trying to lull you to sleep. He wants you to get from under that authority. The authority of his word. Right now, this, this is the authority of his word going forth. And he's trying to lull you to sleep. By omission. By silence. God says, after you have seen how I have dealt with your pastor, after you have seen how I have used and empowered her, after I have equipped her, and oh, you know what I'm talking about? Let's go back to our founding pastor. After you saw how I worked through him. After you've seen how I put, I had used him to put things in place. And you see that being worked out right now with your new pastor. 
After you've seen how I've done all of it. After you've seen how I've kept her. After you've seen that, after all that she's been through. But yet, you still have not missed a word. Because not only do I work through her, but I have delegated her. And at the time when she wasn't ministering those 30 days, when she was out here, I worked through her to put things in place. So that you would not miss a meal. After you've seen all of this, you dare come against my delegated authority? Outright, silently, or by omission. You've seen the power that I've wrought through her. But you don't want to go to her when you have something that you need counsel on? How dare you come against? And, that, and you know what? Omission, that, and I know people don't, they, you really don't think about that? Like, because I don't go to her because I, when I need counsel... This, I mean, I mean, again, she don't, she don't want you coming to her that, you know, what should we eat for dinner? But those things that are going to impact your life, you are grieving the Holy Ghost when you do that. He says, I'm here. That's what I'm here for. And I'm going to work through her, your pastor. But when you choose to omit her, omit that counsel, you are turning God's hand against you. You're grieving the Holy Ghost. He says, I'm here. This is what I'm here for. But you're choosing to omit me. God's a sovereign. He says, were you not afraid to come against my sovereign authority, my right and my might to act and rule? He was my choice. Moses was his, was his choice. Regardless of what they thought, he was God's choice. Understand this. That God is sovereign. And because of his authority, his right to act and rule, and because of his power to act and rule, we must stay under that guidance. We must stay under that authority in order and the order that, and the, the, the guidance and the order that he has established in order to have our lives protected. In order to have the wisdom that he is trying to impart. In order for you to have peace in your life. You want your needs met and you want peace in your life. Check to see if you have come from under authority in any of those ways, by omission, outright, 
or silently. That's some things that you need to think about now. But again, as we go through these teachings, you're going to be able to examine and see if you've come from under authority based on familiarity, because of consequences, or because of manipulation. You don't want to miss these. You shouldn't have been missing, but you don't want to miss these teachings. Again, stay under the authority of the word. Not any man. Don't forget about the messenger who the word comes through. Is it the word and you have the spirit of the living God in you that will bear witness of his word? Number one, we show it to you here. But then your spirit should bear witness. That's the only thing you should be concerned about. You shouldn't be concerned about who the word comes through. Because you might like them and you might not like them. And that's okay. But don't hinder what God is trying to do in your life. Because you don't like somebody. So you don't like them so you don't want to hear from them. That's immature. That's childlike. That sounds like children on the playground. Don't play with her because I'm not playing with her. Children. That's what children do. We ought to be more mature than that. You ought to be, you ought to value the authority of God enough to say, regardless of who's saying it, I want everything that God has for me because I don't know my tomorrows. I don't even know my today. But I know that whatever word God sends is for me and I'm going to take it just like that. If it's for nobody else in that room, it's for me. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.